we go. Thank you for checking out Only the Important Stuff. I'm your host, Jeff Heinrich. It is Monday, October 9th, 2023. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Fall is officially upon us here in the north. Temps have dropped. Bonfire smoke fills the air, and we are living right, praying for a mild winter. Twins have won a playoff game after 18 consecutive losses, actually a series, and another one today. But that goes back to uh, 2005, which is wild. And so on today's episode, I get to experience the joy of doing this podcast um, as I am able to reconnect with a brother from Augie that I haven't talked to in almost 20 years. We obviously talk some baseball, uh, but then we get into life, raising kids, talking about how easy it is to drift from what matters to you. And unfortunately, we uh, we dive into loss again. I really enjoyed catching up with Phil, and I hope you all enjoyed the conversation as well. So without further ado, here we go. Yeah, buddy. What up, Phil? How are you doing? Good. How are you doing, brother? I'm great. Fucking great. Are you kidding me? Look at you. After that. Look at, yeah, go twins, right? Look at us. <laughs> feel like they finally won a game uh it's it's been about since we've been in college dude yeah they did a highlight of the i don't even remember that yank they they won i guess the first game against the yankees in one of those playoff series but i was just saying to my brother like i can't what's striking to me is how unremarkable that game felt you know like 18 in a row i mean aside from lewis going off you're like it's just a regular game and Mm -hmm. 18 in a row? My God. It's a lot. It's a lot, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, even – we sh- there were series we should have won. Like, hands down, right? You know what I mean? Like, we went in as the yes. favorite. We weren't always the, um, the underdog or the wild card or whatever the hell it is. Right? We were – and we just choked. Couldn't even win a game. That's the rough part. Uh, I was at the when was that when they lost to the A's? Yes. When like I was at that game when Scudero hit that triple, and we had tickets to the next game, and Santana was going to be pitching. Like Johan was going to pitch the next game, and I was like, <laughs> "Of course, yeah, right? Yeah. Of course." <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. So, um, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure I'm, having you I'm, on, dude. It's amazing. I'm on my favorite podcast now. I've been like just <laughs> smashing them the last three weeks. So you're the guy. I am. Absolutely. <laughs> love it. Love I've it. I've got notes. Got notes for all those college guys. Ah. Uh, oh, yeah. Nice. Nice. No, um, you know, I it, sometimes I have an agenda when I come into these. Sometimes I don't. I feel like you're the type of dude I could probably come in without an agenda. Obviously, I have a crap load of things I want to talk about. Um, you know, starting out with growing up in Minnesota, you know, I found this out the other day with that article you sent me, the youngest of six. Mm -hmm. Jeez. (laughs) What? I mean, shout out your dad first, right? Uh, man and your mom, right. For just putting up with all that. How the heck was it what was it like growing up with six or five brothers and sisters uh it was awesome it was great um like they just 
everyone kind of took ownership of me. Really? Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I was watching Adam Sandler get the Mark Twain award or whatever. And, you know, he's funny. I could, you know, seems like a nice guy's movies are okay, but his like acceptance speech is basically like this series of moments of everyone in his family, just giving him love and encouragement, love and encouragement uh-huh. just all the way through. Um, and I was like, that really resonates. I have had a pretty easy life in terms of a lot of support, a lot of love. And like, um, my mom and dad had been through it five times before. There was no bullshit. Like they knew what was bullshit mm-hmm. and there was no real discussion about it. And they knew that when there were moments, they were probably way too hard on my older brothers. And they were like, this is not, we are like, we don't need to sweat this stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah. But what? really though, the last three years, because my oldest brother's 12 years older than me. Okay. So the day I went to college, his first daughter was born. So the day my parents dropped me off at Augustana, their first grandchild was born. And I remember like going to Augustana in the car and like, yeah, it's going to be really hard for mom and dad. It's really emotional. Mm-hmm. Dude, they didn't even come up to my dorm. They were like, we got, we got more important shit to do. Wow. Have fun. We'll yeah. see you later. And my mom escorted my dad out of the driver's seat of the Suburban and she drove out of Bergslocker. And I swear to you, Ryan Nett can back this up. She did screech of tires on the way out of that. Like she was gone. <laughs> back on the 90, let's go. That's classic. That's classic. I, like, so as a, how did that make you feel? Was that like a little bit of like, huh, shit, I guess, you know, it's not as big of a deal as maybe I was making it out in my head or good for them? Like what's... I definitely was, you know, there's probably 10 minutes like self-importance. And then (laughs) what sounded like was similar with you and Andy and Ross and Ryan and the crew, like, I think we had beers in hand, like Ned and Wiesner and Iverson and um who else uh owen like well i don't know if it's uh, all of them, probably not there owen. were beers <laughs> dude there are beers in hand within like 15 minutes I love like, that. let's go love it. And, just, and just like you guys say like all right this is the crew sounds mm-hmm. good <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um were you, so. were you and so you guys all got like room together as well so for those that i didn't give like phil an introduction for those that don't know phil and i played baseball together at augie um, a year younger than me, but definitely like part of like the gang, uh, as, from my experience, like I felt like, you know, we were all always kind of around each other. Um, but yeah, so you're younger than me. So like, what was that? Were you guys rooming together for the most part? And so you kind of knew like, all right, I know that there's some baseball players over here and some over here, or did you kind of like figure it out as you went? No, I think we, I want to believe that we were able to move in a little earlier or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just remember the donut being kind of quiet uh, and knowing right away, it's like, here's where Ryan and I are. Mm-hmm. Owen was with, I believe, Barber. And then like Kevin and Iverson were down in floor one. Mm-hmm. But like, it was really quick. And then, sure. Um, and it was, you guys were, I've been thinking about this a lot. Your, group and like Omi and Sevi and that the seniors, 
Yeah. You guys were so good about like, just get over here, like get over to the moon tower. Mm-hmm. Don't need to worry. Like you guys were very cool about just letting us hang out with you. Yeah. And we thought we were like very cool. Like where are you guys going? Well, moon tower. There. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I talked about cool. that with Kirsch, right? Um, Cause when you're, when you're an incoming freshman in college, like first off, like you're walking out of what was probably the greatest experience of your life or one of them, right? Like your senior year of high school, you just, you're the king of the world in that little pond and you're going into a new one. And so there's obviously a little bit of like, shit, like, where am I going to stack up? How's this going to go? And to be like welcomed, because especially in high school, it's so stupid, right? The seniors treat the freshmen like shit. And like, they don't even play on the same team half the time, physically not capable, all of those things. So there's not like that nat- like natural order where you realize, oh yeah, you can be cool with underclassmen and whatnot, right? It's just, oh yeah, no, seniors rule, right? And you get to college and like, again, Jay would just, was like, yeah, you're, part of the group now like let's go like come to my house like come hang out we'll go do this we'll go do that and, and you know omi and sebi and wilbur and all those guys uh, you know we're all the same um they're just like yeah it, this is our group this is who we hang out with it's like oh <laughs> okay cool love it right and it just felt yeah. it was a huge weight off it felt family like honestly yeah. you know coming from a big family it was like you were just come don't ask questions just come over <laughs> yes. and we will give you shit of course, but it truly always felt like coming from a place of love a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. to me being like the youngest, you're like, uh, yeah, this, this feels like my older brother's bragging on me, but heaven forbid anybody pick on me. It's fucking over. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, and so it was that. And then, you know, I didn't like, I did not, my senior year in high school sucked, quite honestly. Ooh. Um, and I was just done. Okay. I was done. One, uh, where I went to school, it was bigger than Augustana. The The high school I went to had a, a bigger enrollment, I think, than we did when we were, when we were at Augustana. It's gotten a little bigger. Um, That's why. And two, like, it was like, Halfway through my senior year, it was kind of like, I think I'd rather hang out with, like, the jazz band dudes. Like, I think I'm kind of done with, and there's nothing, no shade on the dudes I played baseball with. Or I just think everyone was just kind of like, eh. Uh, Phil might be interested in other stuff. And, and I just remember being like, all right, I just want to go to college. I want to get out of here. I want to start over. Mm. And I think the other big thing was like, I was so locked in the baseball. All I wanted to do was you, and you guys talked, you talked a lot about this in like the fall ball, like going to fall ball and be like, yes, this yeah. is all I ever wanted was just to be around people that are very serious about playing baseball and having fun yep. and just being like completely obsessed with it, sure. you know? Mm-hmm. And then, so I went on like my recruiting trip or whatever. And I was like, Oh, I'm going there and didn't go to any other school. Didn't mm-hmm. visit any other school. And I remember driving out to Augustana and having a minute, like a mini panic attack. Like I didn't even think about going anywhere. I don't know. I don't know if I want to go here. 
I didn't even think about it. I had a really fun visit and had some beers. The end. That's all That's it took. Why I'm going here. That's all it took. <laughs> they introduced me to some pretty girls. That's it. Like, yeah. Do you think, um, was it just kind of like a, you're excited to move on to your next chapter, like from your senior year? Yeah, I probably had some like real thick high school angst too. That was probably unwarranted. Uh, As we all, but did. just like right, yeah, it's like fuck these boys, like, and um, and I just wanted to go play college baseball. That's all I wanted to do. Yeah, and um, and just reset. I guess I don't know mm-hmm. with new people and uh that don't know me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the next chapter. Right. And, um, and this is what I find like the, one of the more fascinating things about you and we'll get to it. Right. But like when you're reading a book, right, like you're a writer and you're reading a book, like each chapter has like a little bit of a crescendo and you can tell it's coming to an end and you're, you just, you want to turn the page and get to the next one even before the chapter's over. Cause you know, like the main point of that chapter has passed and maybe they're going to leave you with a little cliffhanger depending on the type of book you're reading, but you know, like the next meet is in the next chapter. And so I want to get there. Right. And in, in high school, um, like as a, as a young man who doesn't know shit about Dick, you know, and fuck all right. Like you don't know anything. And you're just, you think like the next chapter is going to be like the greatest experience of your life. And hopefully it is for anybody who's going through that. And so you're just, you're, you're busting at the seams, even though like you still probably had your senior year of baseball ahead of you. Right. And like, that's something you should totally be looking forward to is like, man, I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to, I'm going to hit ropes and, you know, catch great games and like, just be the stud that I meant to be. Uh, but you're already like, looking forward to the next chapter. Cause you already know, I think that's one of the weird things about baseball is you generally already know where you're going when you're senior in high school. <laughs> yep. It's crazy. No, I think the, the book analogy is perfect. The, the chapter analogy is hundred percent right on. And, uh, didn't particularly like my high school baseball coach. And mm. we had to play Creighton to go, go to, go to state every year, which kind of sucked because, um, this guy, Joe Maurer, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, at baseball, um, and we kind of knew like it would take an absolute perfect game on our part, and an absolute like turd on their part mm-hmm. for this to happen. But we got right. we'd always play them at Midway Stadium, the old Saints spot. And before our last game, I'll tell you this quick story. Our coach was like, he played the role of a baseball coach perfectly right like he had the walk and he had the red man and be out of the field like trying to get it all like dialed and he's gruff and yeah but really like he didn't teach anything he didn't tell like he, he had all this stuff but he didn't really like i didn't learn much from him yeah and before the Cretan game he like huddled us up on the mound pregame and given his like hard ass speech and this kid james pitzel rips one just farts and <laughs> everyone's, you know, <laughs> coach takes a long pause and he goes, I'll tell you one fucking thing. They aren't farting that green. Like, what <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? Okay. Cool, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> they aren't farting that green. Yeah. I, that's interesting to hear. Um, 
like kind of coaching wise at high school? Cause like you said, you went to a really large high school. Um, and so like I went to small town, right. I grew up in small town, Minnesota and just kind of assumed like, man, we all like thought like, well, the cities is just like this, this different level. And it, it is in some respect and just like there's way more kids. And so bigger talent pool, you can probably find a, a couple more, uh, diamonds in the rough there. But like I grew up in a, you know, guys who loved baseball, but didn't teach me anything. I just threw hard and I could hit and I was athletic and they're like, well, you get to play, right? <laughs> and go hit and go throw, right? I didn't know anything about pitching and I go to Augie and it was just like, oh, okay. This game's a little different than what I thought, right? Uh, so was that, was it a similar situation for you walking in there and, you know, just getting drilled about hitting opposite way, you know, don't swing at certain pitches. I don't know, right? Like what was it like as a hitter coming in or a position player? I remember uh, getting really geared up to face you guys in the fall because you all threw hard. And w- one thing I felt like I could do is, like, I could hit a fastball. Mm-hmm. And then you learn, like, well, numbnuts, if you swing over a curveball, guess what they're going to keep throwing you? Like, the high school thing was, like, just wait for a fastball. You're gonna, you will get a fastball. Just wait for it. And I remember in college being like, if you look like an idiot on a swing, they're just going to keep throwing it until you prove that you can take it or you can hit it. Mm-hmm. And I, that was like a big thing. Like, and I remember like trying to game the system. You like, just get like hit a fastball early. That was like my like cheat. Like that's not going to work either. Like, and so it was definitely like, like you, like you remember, I remember you saying like, you can't go three one. You can't go o two. You can't give up o two hits. Mm-hmm. And like just the, the strategy, it was like because people could execute more consistently, you really had to commit to a strategy. Yeah. And like play the mental game. Mm-hmm. And then like I remember being like, "Yeah, I can hit a fastball." Well, like Owen throwing ninety two and like being kind of wild, not super fun from the left side. No, not cool. No. Little tail no. on that thing. That oh was uncomfortable God. for sure. He had no imagine. idea where it was going. Uh, and then just catching you guys, like I I know Ross just spiked a couple fat like fastballs. I'm like, what the f-? like ninety four or whatever, like right on the forearm, I'm like, dude. <laughs> I know you're amped up, but come on. <laughs> That's that was not fun catching as like a 19 year old. Like, God, I remember that as being like senior year in high school, I would have given someone shit about it, but mm. I can't really say anything right now. So, yeah. Yeah. I never, that's an interesting perspective, right? Like, um, as a catcher, right. And I think like very much so when you get to that level, you have to know, your pitchers and like what they're capable of to help like call a game and like what they like to throw in certain situations or whatnot. And it's totally different in high school. Like you mentioned, everything was. So what was that adjustment like for you? And you had some upperclassmen that, um, I hope taught you some things, um, that were pretty damn good at catching, um, in our system, you know, SIBO hunt. SIBO was there, right? Your freshman year. No. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, dang, man. Um, you missed that. Not that he would have taught you anything. He was just really good. Uh, love Sebo, but <laughs> I don't know. How I remember would... watching him on my recruiting like, trip. And like, he's huge yeah. and can throw extremely hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Hunt, you know, like he, that dude was a tactician at everything with respect to the game of baseball. So, like, what was that like? Um, kind of walking into to that and potentially learning from those guys. I was so thirsty to just learn everything. Like, yeah. Um, and so probably to a degree where I wasn't even thinking about, it, I was just like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Like just, I will do it blindly. Right. And, um, and I do think that, you know, you can really make some, improvements when you if you could just know when to not think like just they know more listen and then maybe process it a little a little bit later yeah um but i do think there's some certain certain elements where it's like um, i remember like hunt really wanted me to like shorten my you know my release point or quicken my release point yeah and i remember that getting in my head because i thought i had a good arm and then i felt like i was then like giving up a little velocity because I was just, you know, right from the ear. Mm-hmm. He's bright. I mean, no catcher goes like this. Uh, but uh, I remember then like the only thing would be like questioning is what he's telling me going to work like throwing wise was the only thing I was really worried about. Cause I feel like that was an asset that I had and I didn't want to fuck with that. Like, yeah. Like thinking by thinking about throwing, I mean, Really, what he was saying is like, just go here and sit here. It's like not that big of a difference. Yeah. Um, but like the blocking and like just talking to pitchers and coaches about just calling games. I think that was just one of my favorite things to do. Is like, well, what's Jeff got going today? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, maybe the slider isn't his best pitch, but he's throwing for a strike. Maybe we can get away with a couple early in the count to set up the change up or set up. And I just, that was always like my favorite part. Could you tell game. early, like for any of us, um, you know, like maybe, you know, Ted's breaking ball just wasn't as sharp or, you know, Owen was pretty wild or, you know, so-and-so is not throwing as hard. So we got to mix in more off speed. Could you tell pretty quick? Yeah. Like yeah. for you, like if there was, if your two seamer had run, I'm like, okay, we don't need to get too creative with this. Yeah. Like, you know, um, or like Owen, I just remember being like, dude, we have to get three changeups over for a strike in the first couple of innings. We don't, then we don't even need to go back to it. We just need to plant that seed yeah. in their head um, and make one or two guys go back to the dugout and like, yeah, that was, that was a pretty good one. Yeah. That's all we need to do. Um, and then I think with different pitchers, like different, like Teddy, like, yeah, it was like, please, let, please let him have their curveball today. Like, cause that will just make everybody's job so much easier. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, and then like Boston, like he said in his spots, like we do not, again, we do not get to need to be creative about this. No. Yeah. When he was on, it was like, well, <laughs> yeah. Enjoy the he show. I called his own game anyway, so I didn't need to really, <laughs> right. <laughs> he just shook me up anyway. So, yeah. Um, it's interesting what you said about like uh, Hunt trying to mess with you, not mess with you, but just give you a tip and like you questioning that. Cause I know 
personally, right? Like I, I got super, uh, kind of like fucked up a little bit, like mechanically at Augie in just that, you know, they, they were, this was when like pitching mechanics were kind of like all the rage, just like now it's launch angle or, yeah, I don't fucking know, right? Like just pick, pick the newest, hottest thing to talk about in baseball. And like having perfect mechanics was super important. And like, I, not that I was like crazy, but I, you know, my leg went higher than parallel. I used to put my arms over my head and it just, it helped me feel like this is like my natural movement, you know, back to front. And I like was, I was fighting it forever and like trying to get my arm over my head instead of like a bit more of a three quarter. And it, Looking back now, I kind of wish I would have had like the balls at the time to be like, I get that that's that. And now that I know this, in some respect, I will tell anybody who wants help pitching, I can teach you some mechanics, but at the same time, like you got to figure out how to make it work for you, right? Because um, everybody's different. And if your comfort zone has some mechanics in it, that's great. You know, um, at the end of the day, can you pound the strike zone? Can you, you know, left, right, up, down, mix up speeds, right? Like that's the most important thing. And that was like almost never drilled for us. And it fucked with me a little bit. Like, Oh, for sure. Like I don't apply, I don't think, especially when it comes to like arm angles and that kind of and pitching, like I don't think teaching one thing to everyone Mm-mm. makes sense. No. Like you said, you have a different, you are built differently than Allard. Like you, you are built differently than different pitchers and what might feel right to you mm-hmm. might not feel right to the other guy. It might not get the Im- impact, but I do think there has to be a balance of fundamentals and know the fundamentals to a point where you can ask the player or the pitcher, how yeah. does that feel? Tell me how, and not like good, not good. Tell me how it feels when yeah. you throw the ball that way. How does it feel? Right. Or when you feel like you're throwing right or you have it going, tell mm-hmm. me how that feels. Um, so yeah, I don't think, and the, and it was a high level of baseball, but I just, I don't think having an approach like we're all going to do it this way. I, I don't know. I don't think that's, I don't think, baseball's built that way or maybe we didn't have you know this wasn't like texas with augie garrido being like dude you're all prospects mm-hmm. so we're just gonna you have the ability to do it yeah so we're all gonna go about it this way right but i don't know yeah and um, I, I think that's one of the cool things now is like it's like they try to develop it and i think there is a little bit more of that right in letting a player be somewhat free and I, there's always, there was always good intention behind it, right? Like if you have good mechanics, I, when you're off, I can tell you what's wrong, right? Like, or, you know, Hey, these guys are beating your throw. It's cause you're, you've got a long, you know, arm as a catcher and you need, we just need to shorten that up. Okay. Right. Like I get all of that. It's with the best intentions, same with hitting, right? Whatever it is. But if that's not allowing a player to like, feel their most comfortable which is a huge part of playing that stupid game right uh, or any sport or anything you know if you can't find your space and feel confident and not trying to fight other stuff along the way like you're gonna struggle 
uh, to find that success at any level. And I think um, the idea of like, you got to have some confidence, some mental confidence, whatever, wherever you're at Mm -hmm. that practice for your game or the batting practice. Like whenever I hear youth coaches coaching the game, I just, I just shake my head. I'm like, this is ridiculous. The kid's up there trying to throw strikes. He's nine years old. That's hard enough. You got to get out of his ear, man. Like, please. (laughs) Right. For sure. Or, sure. you know, like start your swing earlier. Hey, dad, I need you to stop talking mm-hmm. so I can try and do this thing. I, so we're at, like, it's that balance of like, hey, there are fundamental ways to do this stuff. I need you to feel confident. So you're not thinking about what I'm telling you as the ball's coming in. Like this, yeah. that, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. hundred percent, man. hundred percent. So you, you, you overcame that. I'm not overcome. I don't know. You, you, you got through it, but like you're, you're now a freshman in college, you're playing ball. Like what's that first year like for you mentally experience wise, you name it. it, What was that like? It was fantastic. Um, It, I think, you know, catchers are kind of like goalies. You, you know, you don't need to beat out too many people to get some some playing time. So I got to play, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, um, and it was just like everything that I had like hoped would be is just a ton of baseball, just playing a lot of games and feeling like I think I can do this at this level. Like yeah. it wasn't like, you know, crazy success, but enough where you're like, okay. I'm, I belong here, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just, I remember the Augie world series, like the fall ball world series was just a blast. And then, uh, the Olympics were incredible. Um, and it was just, it was just all fun, Jeff. Like it was all a great time. I was getting to know these new freshmen, people I liked yeah. a lot. And, you guys were really cool to us. So that was really fun. We had a place to go people to like hang out with. And I also think, you know, credit to the school. I don't think Augie, I don't, I don't remember any clicks. Like we'd hang out with the football players. We can be, mm-hmm. I think we, you could see anybody at a party. For sure. Or less, yeah. Which is, I think pretty cool. Yeah. I feel like, um, and it's not a knock. I feel like the basketball team always felt like the most distant um, probably because their season was like during football's off season and our off season when those two sports really got after it, (laughs) you know, so like they weren't at all the party and obviously the football team's not at a party on a Friday night when the rest of us are. And then, you know, we're not at a party on, or at least we shouldn't have been at a party's on Friday and Saturday night during the spring. Um, yeah. So like the bat not, and there's only 12 of them through the entire school. So it was a lot harder to run into them. Um, yeah, like that was a super cool thing about Augie. Um, I always felt is that it was this small community in a somewhat larger city that felt very cut off from the rest of the world. Yeah. That was my take on it. Like I, we, I felt like we could do anything there. And nobody was ever going to like say anything about it as long as we didn't like yeah. do something really bad. 
Yeah. I mean, everything just centered around that, what is it, like five blocks, right. five by three blocks, right? Like, it was great. Um, but I do, like, I don't know if you remember the freshman Olympics. Um, I, as you know, I'm not a fast runner. I, I needed to come up with some advantages as I started this run, this streaking yep. uh, run across the campus. And so my brilliant idea and my sense of absolute clarity, right? Yeah. Uh, was I'm going to get a head start by jumping out of Andy's tiny, teeny, tiny truck. Thing was a toy, um, the matchbox truck. You guys pulled up in front of the element and I jumped out of the bed of the truck and I took off my boxers midair because that was my like way to like, <laughs> You know, get like I was going to beat Owen or anyone anyway. Like it's insane. Uh, didn't fully get the boxers over the feet. Face planted. Like on on concrete, got up and ran right into a pine tree. <laughs> Dude. I don't know if I was laying there for 30 seconds, five minutes. I don't know. I think I caught Ryan net at the very end because he was just walking. Uh, <laughs> but the next day at practice, whatever, I was wearing my catching like shell like this on my head. Yeah. Because I had a, I had a big bump on my head and McCabe just came by and goes, do you guys have fun tonight last night? I go, Poof. Yeah, that was it. But I could not, I just remember I could not get my hat over my head properly. Uh, it was, yeah. Who won it your year? Do you know? Owen. Owen did? Yeah, mega athlete. Yeah, I feel like it's it's super stupid, right? Like we do all these like little silly activities and then it would always just come down to the run. Like whoever finished the run, we just, they win, they get the t-shirt. <laughs> It was so fun. It, it was, was a great night. Yeah, absolutely. Was there some like fear and or trepidation uh, amongst your your guys as you're um, about to embark on this journey? <laughs> um, if there was, I didn't. I didn't know about it. Didn't give a shit about it. I was like, this is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I am a relative lightweight, so this is getting messy. Embrace yeah. it. And, and just, I, I mean, it, it sounds like more, um, what's the word? Like, I just, it, it sounds like, um, shit, I can't, like, I just trusted you guys in a weird way. Like now I'm looking back on it as like a 41 year old, like, yeah, yeah not, not, not the safest situation ever, but like totally trusted you guys. But like, also, it was, yeah. yeah, but also like not that absurd, right? No. Um, yeah. And that I think that was like the super fun part. It's just like, hey, come, quote unquote, do this. And yeah, like there's drinking games, um, but it's not, hey, you have to finish a 175 of vodka in two hours, right? And then we're going to lock you in a trunk, right? It's, it, everybody is there essentially participating with you up into the run, right? Like yes. everyone is yeah. there. Let's drinking. be clear <laughs> listeners. This was silly drinking games. Yeah. Like, it was fun. 
silly picking games. Yeah. It, and you go, all right, streak. That's it. Yeah. And then at the end of it, it's like, all right, now you guys got to go fucking run. And yes, we, just, we go get everybody out of the dorms and let them know people are streaking across the campus and a couple yes. come out. Some just roll their eyes and then we go back to it. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep, exactly. Um, no, I, the other thing I remember like freshman year was like taking biology, like first semester. Mm. That's not my jam, dude. Um, nope. And just bombed. Yeah. Bombed the test. First test. I called my dad. I was so shocked. He's like, is it too late to drop the class? I go, no. <laughs> He's like, well, you'll still have 12 credits. Like get out now. I was like, okay. Yeah. Cool. Smart. Yeah. yeah, I think I did that as well. Um, took me a while to figure out the science, the quote-unquote science class that I was going to take to to get my degree. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, so then like spring comes around, right, and it's your first like year, like your first season. Was there a moment in that season that you felt um, was kind of like, yeah, I can do this? Right, I can I can play at this level, or was there always like a confidence uh, for you where you're like, yeah, no, I got this. Like I've been catching these dudes, I see these pitches all the time. I know I can hit it. I know I can play. I I mean I felt defensively it, like I could handle it. Yeah, and um, and I think actually coincidentally out here in the Bay Area that was my freshman trip. Um, when we played snow state and they just worked us and Chico state. And then we were playing San Francisco, mm-hmm. uh, which is what's funny is I'm buddies with a bunch of dudes that were at that school at that time. Wow. Now, the Gators. Uh, and, uh, that series in particular, I, I just got hot with the bat. I'm like, Hey, okay. This, yeah. this, this should not be, I, I can do this. I probably had a false sense, like, oh, hey, this ain't too hard. Yeah. Before playing like South Coast State and Mankato and North Coast State, mm-hmm. and like, mm-hmm. didn't realize how good the conference was. Yeah. Quite honestly, um, but that trip, I was like, okay, like, I hit well. I held up defensively. Like, this is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. And so I think that trip was like a, okay. Absolutely. It's kind of interesting, like that. That uh, I, I don't know. I'm. I think you're always going to have the the Rosses, the Owens, um, you know, the Bornies, the and you know that they, you know those dudes could they could have played anywhere, right? Um, they were just that gifted. But the not that we weren't all skilled, uh, but when you're not the alpha and there's always like these pecking orders, but when you don't re- think that you're the alpha, there is like a little bit of doubt that creeps into any athlete's mind. Like, can I do this? And they just need like that one little sliver to realize like, yeah, I'm capable uh, of doing a, B, C or D at this level. And it's go time. Right. And you see like switches in any of them kind of like take off uh, and kind of just to have this confidence. Right. And it was funny. I, uh, I just went to a game with Allard and Grubner and Andy, uh, a twins game, right? I haven't seen them in, I haven't seen Grubner in 23 years. That's awesome. And, uh, 
we were all just talking about it and how stupid baseball could be at times and you know feeling like you were super capable of something and you're just getting your shit rocked and then they bring somebody else in as a pitcher or you can't you can't hit a guy so the coach puts somebody else in to hit and somebody that you think is not on your level comes in and shuts them down or can get two or three hits and you're like what the fuck like this game is so dumb <laughs> you know uh and we all felt like that in so, at some point or another like in our career like how is this how's that guy getting that person out when i couldn't you know i heard dave roberts is he still a manager of the dodgers yeah the manager of the dodgers mm-hmm. talking about showcase players you know you're talking about ross or owen these guys that if they went to a showcase owen would run fast and he would throw hard and you know like and they would say, hmm, this guy has this, this, and this, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Dave Roberts was talking that there's this whole new generation that are, it's just showcases. And these are showcase players that have all, the, the, their talent and skills are so far past what people were doing two generations ago, right? At sure. 16, 17. Put them in a game and you need them to get a runner over, can't do it. Yeah don't know where to throw the ball, don't hit the cutoff man, you know? And so when you're like, I knew that I had to do all that shit. Right. Yeah. Or I would, like, especially in college. Sure. And so, um, and I always thought that would be an interesting like experiment of like, if you're a smaller school, go after the undersized dudes that we you know, like kind of just, put up big numbers for some reason everywhere they've gone in high school and they play good competition. And, mm-hmm. and so, yes, they don't run a, they're not super fast and they don't throw 97, but yeah. if someone's throwing 80 in high school and has like a 12 and one record, what, what does that tell you? You know, it's not a pitch. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, that's something that, I, that always stuck with me in terms of like, I have to do this stuff right one and two, just being a little dude, you have to have a little fuck you to it. Like, mm-hmm. I ha- like I had to like, okay, tell me I'm not going to do it. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so that was also like, you're saying someone else goes in there and like, you know, like Harden would play. You're like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Guess what? Harden got a lot of hits, man. Like he was, he was good. Fuck. Yeah. And I just wish, I think the only thing I wish to is I was, I got better at this, like junior and senior year, like this is the end of the road. So be like, just be really, really happy for everybody's success yeah. on the team. Cause what, what, what is, why not? <laughs> like uh-huh. what, this is where it ends. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Uh, and you know, I, I hope that that didn't come across like I was upset that they were getting them out by any means. It it was more frustration internally. Like how come I couldn't do that? You know what I mean? And like kicking yourself and throwing a glove in the dugout or whatever. Um, Yeah. Like those, like, but what you're talking about like that at the end, like those were like my favorite moments uh, playing was like watching Andy just annihilate pitcher pitchers right or watch owen get out there you know as he maybe it was his second year but like i I feel like his sophomore year like he was damn near 
unhittable. And he's starting to put it together. He's yeah. just like, holy shit, dude. Like, this kid's going to be a problem. And, I mean, he is now. And he's going to continue to be. And just find, like, seeing others, like, have that. I took so much pride in that, even though I had nothing to do with it. I was just like, yeah, man, this is awesome. Like, let's go. Because <laughs> I can't. You know what I mean? Like, I knew I wasn't going to be the guy. <clears throat> I, that's something I, te- like, I want to... You know, my, my daughter's too. Like, we're, we are so far from the shit. But, like, I hope that I do a better job. Con- I do a good job conveying to her and my future kids if there, there are any playing sports. But, like, it's okay to be a fucking role player. Be a good one. Be a good role player on a team. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. Like, first of all, any really good team needs those people. It's not just the three studs. That's not what makes a good team unless playing basketball because there's five people out there but like yeah that's what makes the good teams good it's not the three studs it's what everyone else does does their job does it well Mm -hmm. they actually buy in you know i think i got really focused on being really good in high school at baseball and i quit hockey like after freshman year and i should just play and they're like if i'm a fourth liner what's wrong with like get out there and do a job and be a part of something. Yeah. It's a, it's a good way to kind of talk about that. Um, cause Lord knows like mentally, like I went in thinking I am the greatest thing that's ever happened to baseball. Right. And then you get in there and you, you meet all these other dudes who are also really, really, really fucking good at baseball. And it kind of like, trying to figure out your spot and your place, like in your role within a team and saying, you know, saying, all right, well, this is, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm going to be and owning it and trying to be the absolute best that you possibly could at it. I took a ton of pride, uh, in that, like I, I was never going to be one of the weekend starters, uh, and said, yeah, I'll own the bullpen. And like, I will make that my thing forever. Right. And that I'll, mm-hmm. I'll close, I'll come in in relief. You need an arm, like just tap that right shoulder. I'll get up. I can get warm in 30 seconds. Let's cook. Right. And as opposed to pouting about not being a starter, you know, and it, there was a little bit of a, like a, an ego blow, like coming to acceptance of that. But at the same time, like I, you have to kind of take pride in whatever you're going to do. And just know that, in my case, like you get in for an inning, you're contributing greatly to the success of the team in a small fashion. And so go in there, execute, do it well, get out, you know, on to the next. Instead of pouting about uh, Yeah. And let me ask you this, like, because I, I totally agree with that. And I think, do you, do you find there, you said that there's like a, a time where like, yeah, wait, this isn't, maybe that's not my role, but like, what makes you good at something is like being competitive in those moments too. Right. You don't want to just be like, "Ah, okay, I accept this. Yeah. And so there, that was always hard of like, I'm not okay with, I'm, I will do what is asked of me, but there are situations in life where I'm also like, I'm not, I'm not cool with my role or my salary. I'm going to bust my ass, but do not confuse that for me saying this is where I like, 
I peak, you know? Sure. I, was, I struggle with that. Like, I, I think I struggle with that baseball-wise, and I think I struggle with it mm-hmm. in in work and life in general. Just like, yeah. I don't want to be content, but I don't want to bitch and moan about stuff either. I, sure. know, I don't know what that is. No, that's a... Uh... That's interesting. That, that's an interesting spin on that. Um, I guess I never looked at it as I was content, right? We had, you know, Ross and Ryan and Ted, and I think it was going into, it was probably your freshman year, like the fourth spot was open to start that season, and Dan Allard beat me out. And look, it now... Yeah, Dan was a better starting pitcher than I was. He he was a bulldog. He was willing to, you know, do whatever it took to win, and he had, you know, four or five pitches. I had, like, three, right? So it, that's fine. And so when I went to the bullpen, it wasn't like, oh, I'm content being the bullpen guy. It was, yeah, I'm going to try to be the best closer I can possibly be, and it didn't make sense. Like, I know it didn't in my head, like, saying I'm going to come in and be this hard-throwing dude following Ross? What sense does that make? But I tried my best at it, and I I projected personally that I threw harder than Ross. I know I didn't, but in my head, mentally, I did, right? And so and all it was was just a different arm, a different angle, different movement, and it's like, yeah, they can't hit this. They've, they've been looking at somebody else for three innings, and trying to be the best at it. And then, you know, the next year it's like, okay, there's other guys who are coming up and having success. Like I'm not trying to step on them and go back in there and, you know, stunt their growth by any means. I'm almost, as you said, at the end, I'm at the end. Right. And so instead of trying to make it about me, I'd like to make it about we in this scenario and try and have as much success as we could. And, you know, my senior year, I had, fucking pitch like shit my senior year like I got hit hard often and I know in like personally like I was like man I'm just not having a great year but we made the conference tournament that year right and so like that was a lot of fun and I truly enjoyed that and getting to you know go to that tournament for the first time in four years right and so you know, it's it's the yin and the yang, uh, that battle of like, oh, I'm not doing well, but you know what? We are. And so that's all that matters, and it is what it is. Let's let's keep this going. And then sure enough, like the very next year, you guys win it all, right? That's awesome, right? As opposed to throwing a t- tantrum and maybe um, giving a younger classman a bad example to follow when they're in one of those positions. Because – Ultimately, like getting back to what you're saying, we all can't, you know, even professionally, there's only one CEO. We all can't be the CEO. And it's not, I don't think it's settling. I think it's kind of acknowledging this is what I'm really good at and this is how I can contribute. And they look at me and they value me and I'm okay with that. And it's not like, oh, I'm just going to settle for this in my lot in life. I don't know though. I don't know. Yeah, this yeah, hearing you talk about it, it, it makes more like makes sense in that this is my hand right now. This is the hand that I'm dealt. Then I will play it. Yeah, to the best of my ability. On the next, and then we're gonna reset, right? Yeah, totally. And and by the way, this idea of like 
thinking that you threw harder than Ross. I totally identify with that. I swear to God, when I'd have three hits in a game, I'm like, that's the guy, that's the hitter I am. Mm-hmm. Even though the average would be like 238. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's wrong. It's this, this, this is me. Yeah, no, I mean, there might have been days when, like, I was only throwing 88, but in my head, I was throwing 95. And, you know, maybe the result was I was throwing 88, and maybe the result that day was I was able to get people out, and, you know, it is what it is. But if you don't have that, like, mental um, edge, confidence, whatever, where you think, like, you're going to go in and do something, like, there's no way you're going to do it. Yeah, That's for damn yep. sure. Like, if I yep, would have gone 100%. in after a Ross or a Ryan and thought, well, they, they threw harder than me. These guys are going to hit me. They sure as shit were going to hit me. Yep. <laughs> yep. 100%. No doubt. No doubt. Um, yeah, talk me through um, that next year. Like, after we had left, when you guys end up winning the conference tournament, what was that journey like for you guys? Um. It was honestly, dude. I just feel like we like got on a roll. We weren't any better, you know. What I mean, like, wasn't a more talented team. Mm-hmm. Just, I think we just got on a roll, and I know it's a lot of games, but the conference season isn't that long, and we just mm-hmm. got a, honestly, we got a few clutch hits. Yeah, like we took three out of four from Mankato State, or like, like because Wiesner went off one game. Like, you know, or like, yeah, we, we got a few clutch hits. That was really the difference. And I do like, and I do think based on the previous year and, and you talked about this with the other guys, there was never, there was never a series where I thought we didn't belong on this field. No, no way. Like I was not phased by, by that year, completely unfazed by Mankato. Mm-hmm. Or South Dakota State, or like, and after four years, you kind of know a lot of the guys on the other team. You're like, yeah, that guy's good, but he's got holes. For sure. They, you know, this team folds, this group folds when shit goes wrong. Like, mm-hmm. and so there's just a lot of confidence, not because we were more skilled, but that we had been through it before. And we're like, yeah. you just got to keep your, you got to keep your head in it. Mm-hmm. And you got a couple breaks, and all of a sudden we're rolling. And like, we went to the tournament and like we played, I remember the North Dakota state game. Like it's t- like, they couldn't get a hit. Like, they <laughs> couldn't like, it was a lot of Adam balls and, and you're just like, Oh, this shit's happening. This sure. is de- like, we're riding a wave right now for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny. You mentioned this before too. It's like, I don't have a ton of memories of like the games. I really don't. Yeah. I remember like having to write a 18 page paper on the way back from that stupid tournament. Like <laughs> not even really enjoying like Sammy's up there, like into his fifth 10, just like chirping and like having the best time. And I'm back there writing some stupid essay. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah, because I ask you about it, and you're like, you know, I don't know. I mean, it was – you really didn't talk about the games. And I love that because, like, that's been almost to a T, like what everybody – like everybody will remember a game or two personally, like that they played really well. Um, but, man, I talked to Huber 
couple weeks ago, the current coach, right? And mm-hmm. I just asked him about winning the national yeah. title. And, I mean, he's – because that's his life, right? He is, you know, giving me the rundowns of games. And it's like, gosh, I – but even he doesn't really remember much from college, right? Like mm-hmm. how they all went. They just know that they were good and, you know – they had success and they'd win some and they, you know, and so on and so forth. But yeah, like who, who'd you play in the championship game of the conference? I think, I think Northern Colorado, maybe. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know. I do not know. <laughs> uh, we I are very it. focused on getting back to Sioux Falls and celebrating. Now I'll tell you that much. Very, <laughs> yeah. very focused on that. I love it. Uh, where uh, was it? Yeah. Where was the tournament? Do you remember? It was in Greeley. Oh, okay. Discuss. Interesting. So, sorry, folks of Greeley. Not not a fan. No. We went out there one year. Um and I remember thinking a meat oh, plant or something? Like, what is that smell? Yeah, like why why are we out here? How are they in our conference? I mean they were good they were a good team, don't get me wrong, but it just yeah. it was so disconnected from the rest of that conference. And the town is a kind of a shithole by comparison to almost everything else in Colorado. Like, right. <laughs> didn't make We're sense. not off to Highway 29 or 90. What are we doing? Right? Yeah. This doesn't make sense. Right. 100%. 100%. Um, yeah. What, so as your career was coming to a close – what was like going through your head about like what the hell to do next? Like, did you know when you went to college, like what you wanted to be when you grew up? Uh, well, considering until about the age of 16, 15, I was pretty convinced I was going to be playing for the Minnesota twins. No, I didn't <laughs> like talk about like suspended disbelief. Like I got, I got way too far, Jeff. <laughs> thinking like hey maybe <laughs> hey maybe and you then never know we played then we played the joe mauer is making way more appearances on this thing we played highland park whatever it is their legion team was yeah and he's like two years younger than me we're playing them at this field that back up to the par three highland golf course really okay. cool little par three yeah so joe mauer's left-hand hitter the par three is 450 feet. I don't know. I'm probably exact. It was a long way out to left field. Sure. And Maurer is a very large person. Like, he's 6'5". Oh, yeah. And he stood two inches. His toes were two inches from the butt. And he had an old, remember those, like, um, like neon green TPXs? Oh, yeah. Not neon green. Like, kind of like turquoise green. Yeah. With, like, yeah. the gold writing. He had one of those bats. That was so beat up that there was no green left on the barrel. Hmm. And we had a dude on our team who went to Creighton and threw legit 90 in high school. And he threw an inside fastball to Joe Maurer, 02. And he, Maurer picked it out of my glove, basically, and hit it onto the golf course in left field. And that was the moment where I was like, this ain't fucking happening for me. Because I don't know, I actually do not know how he hit that. He's left-handed hitter, so he hit it to left field. I, I don't know how he did it. Yeah. And he hit it so far, so far. And that was the moment where I was like, 
not happening. Um, so I went to Augustine. I was like, I'm going to be a journalist or, you know, like uh, be a sports writer. Yeah. And then part of the assignment to like whatever, 110 sports writing or whatever was like go interview P Ford, like the basketball coach. Mm-hmm. I like post scan. I'm like, this is dumb. I'm standing in our locker room trying to interview the basketball coach. I don't, I don't like, I don't like this. This doesn't, you know, Okay. I was probably too proud to be like sitting. It just felt like I was talking to someone that I didn't really give a shit. I don't care what this guy sure. has to say about this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I became an English major and then I was like, I'm going to go, uh, English major in secondary ed. So I'll be a teacher. And they're like, I really don't want to teach. I, I remember student teaching at, um, what's that Catholic school there? Uh, O'Gorman. Yeah. Is that right? O'Gorman. O'Gorman. Being like a year, two years older than like the seniors. And like, this is not going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then I was like, I'm going to go to grad school and get a, a master's in pre writing. Okay. And so I, only applied to schools that were in cool places. Do you see a pattern here? I didn't think about college and I didn't think about grad school other yeah. than like, just go to a cool place. Love it. I applied to 10 schools, rejected by nine of them immediately. Okay. Got waitlisted at university of San Francisco. I remember driving back home over Easter break. You must not have had a, a game that weekend to have like, I talked with my mom and dad who so supportive, but we're like, Hey, what's the plan, dude? Like, I don't know if this is going to happen. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to go substitute teach in Boston. I got a sister out there and I'll just go do that. Mm-hmm. Next weekend, I was told I was waitlisted for the program. And then right before one of our conference games, I got an email and I was in the, that's how old we are. I was in the computer lab in the humanities building checking my email before a game before like batting practice. Yeah. And I got the fucking email. that said, I got in mm-hmm. and like, I will never forget that moment of being like, I went from not having a clue what was going to be happening mm-hmm. in three months, two months yeah. to I'm moving to San Francisco and I know what I'm doing. Sure. And my mom and dad and my brother and his wife were coming out for that game. And so I, remember seeing them before the game and be like, I fucking got in, you know, yeah. and they were so pumped. And we went out and got beers after the game. And it was a wonderful day. Wonderful day. Absolutely. Um, and then like a month later, I packed up a car and drove to San Francisco. And you've been there ever since. I have. It's like over okay. 20 years. Okay. Um, it's insane. Before we get to that, right? Like where did the, yeah. where did this like creative bug come from out of you because i i feel like i i have memories of you like playing your guitar in the moon tower right and just not and i don't i don't mean like different but it's just it's not something you see out of like athletes generally um kind of this like creative spark and obviously you're into writing you're into writing you're a writer like all that stuff like so had you always been like that or was it um, something that maybe got like fostered at Augie? I don't know. Just curious. Uh, I have some notebooks from high school that are pretty bad poetry, Jeff. Let me tell you. Really. 
That's another podcast. Yeah, back when you but thought I'll you were profound. Like seven, I'll need like seven beers. Uh, <laughs> but so as I was like, I, I liked writing. I was foolish enough to think I was like okay at it. I was not. I, mm-hmm. I, this is not false modesty. It's terrible. Um, I really, my mom made us. We we're super sports family. My mom's like, everyone's playing a musical instrument for four years, period. Like, I don't give a shit. We're doing that. And so I got into yeah. music, played jazz band, and I think it just exposed me to different things. And like, this is kind of cool. And I had some extra time that senior year. I'm like, I don't want to play guitar because I think I could write a song. Mm-hmm. And like, to be perfectly honest, it's like, maybe this will help me meet girls. Like, let's just be totally real. Sure. I was looking for any advantage Yeah, there. It's a huge one um, if you're good at it. And so that's kind of um, where the guitar thing started. But I, I started writing more like sophomore year. And I would reach out to, it's so crazy. I, I reached out to a couple writers. I read their books. Mm-hmm. I sent them a, a, a note with a writing sample, a terrible writing sample in it saying, I really liked your book. This guy, Mick Cochran, he's, he's from Minnesota. He's working at Canisius College. I read his books for it. I'm like, this is cool. Here's a sample. The dude, like, wrote back with notes on my, like, shitty manuscript. He's like, keep going. Never yeah. met the guy in my life. That's awesome. And then I had a uh, – Dr. Hicks was an English professor there. Mm-hmm. who was like more encouraging than he probably than I deserved to be, him to be to me. Mm-hmm. And he knew I really wanted to go to grad school. And he was like, that's cool. It's really hard. They're not really, don't usually take people right out of college, but I'll help you out. And he helped me out a ton. Yeah. Um, read all my stuff, helped me with it. Met after like, this is, when you look back on this guy's got a life, like what he's like meeting with me in the cafe by the, cafeteria, you know, I can't remember what that, you know, like going over yeah, yeah. something that's not an assignment. Sure. So he's really cool about it. And he, my senior year, um, he got Tim O'Brien, the author of the things they carried. Remember that book? Mm-hmm. We everyone had to read a nice Vietnam book. One of my yeah. favorite books ever. It's amazing. And I'd read the book like five times and Dr. Hicks was like, Hey, Tim O'Brien's coming to give a talk. Um, you should be there. I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, uh, it was at the Elman and he gave like first part of his thing is, is like speech or whatever. And like this guy who's, who wrote just beautifully about war and brotherhood and loss and like memory versus reality, like just incredible. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'd only read and read this like really like incredible writer he gets up to the mic you know this guy that's writes this beautiful prose and he's like all right uh, so he had the rattiest <laughs> voice he was bald he had like a mullet and he's like that ah, so okay so we're gonna talk about vietnam here today i'm like what the hell mm-hmm. he does his break he takes a break because he needs to take a cigarette break because this guy's a, like chain smoker. Sure. Dr. Hicks is like, Phil, come on. Come on. And he like 
Remember that little like side door kind of underneath the athletic offices that came out on like what was that thirty third? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yep. He like ushered me out there, and like my like writing idol is sitting there smoking a cigarette. Offers me a cigarette. What does your idiot friend do? Oh, no, I don't smoke, dude. Take the fucking cigarette. Yeah, take the cigarette. Like, that'd be the, that'd oh, be a great title for a book. Take the fucking cigarette. What are you doing? You know what I mean. So that is a very long winded. I mean, I started doing it when I was out there. I came out here. Yeah. I can't emphasize enough how shitty I, I don't know how I got into school, Jeff. Wasn't good. Wasn't good writer. Was not a good writer. Okay. Um, and because they're probably like, yeah, we'll take your money, dude. Sure. <laughs> uh, and then that's kind of where that started. And, you know, very long with an answer. I think it was always in me. I thought I was decent at it when I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, and, but for whatever reason, I continue to do it now. I think I'm okay at it. Like after a long time. I mean, I don't think, I think, uh, I don't think anybody's good out of the gate, dude. Right. Like, well, or, or did you walk in there and did you see some showcase writers? Well, I saw people imitating, like now in retrospect, I'm like, oh, you're just doing like, like the fight club guy. Yeah. I get it now. Like you're trying to be the cool dude with all the tats and like the hipster writer. Mm-hmm. And then you're the, this person, you're like everyone. And, and I don't, well, it is a critique, but we are all, that's what everyone does when they're wanting to do something. They just imitate who they like. For sure. That's all they do. hundred um, percent. But I thought it was going to be a continuation of Augie. And I go to this program, and I'm the youngest person by, like, nine years. Like, people are, oh. like, uh, like, this dude was, like, 50 and, like, an ad executive. It's like, I hate writing ad copy. I don't, so I'm going to write a novel. And, I'll, and there were, there was a totally different crew of people. Um yeah, there's like the next closest person was like 27 or 28. I was 22. Like, what? so was that difficult to like adjust? Um, not having like a, a built in crew, or did you know anybody out no. there? Nope. So you're by I, yourself. The first night I was there, I I drove. My parents gave me a Mazda six two six. Drove it, got lost on what is now I now know is Pack Heights, like the really hilly part of mm-hmm. the city that's like facing the bay. Yeah. And I remember I had like one of those deep TVs and it was in the front seat. And I remember going up and down those fucking hills holding that TV, trying to find where I was. Um, but I remember that night I walked up to the school. It's a really beautiful campus. Walk up there and I sat on the steps and I had this very clear moment i'm like no one knows exactly where i am right now yeah no no one that i know actually knows where i am right now mm-hmm. um so and through the program i met uh this guy chris who after like eight months is like hey dude move i i move in i got an extra spot in my place ended up like living there for 11 years Wow. He 
joined a band with him. He was also getting his MBA. Mm-hmm. Knew a dude from from uh, Guatemala who played guitar. So we were like, let's play in a band. And sure. we ended up just like, being very close. And he started a company. I worked for him for like seven years. Um, so I did find that that crew um, based solely on like the kindness of Chris's heart. Like, yeah. you know, like this, this poor kid has no idea what's going on. Yeah. Was it, was, was moving out there a little overwhelming at first? Just, I mean, I've been to Sam, I've been to the Bay, I don't know, 10, 15 times in my life. And it's a different city, right? In a whole myriad of like ways, um, dramatically different from the twin cities of St. of Minneapolis and St. Paul, significantly different than Sioux Falls. Right. So was it a bit overwhelming? Just the hustle, the bustle, the, how there's so much to fucking do there. <laughs> I think when you're, tw- well, I shouldn't, when I was 22, it was like, you don't know what you don't know. And you're like, this is fun. It's exciting. Cool. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. and so, and then you're, and you're so young and stupid and poor that it was like, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get to, have just enough money in my account so I can go get a couple of beers somewhere. Like, sure. So that, and I'm saying that because then your world becomes very small because you can't do anything. Yeah. Really. Yep. Um, and so we go to the same five bars. Um, and that part, I live really close to what's called the panhandle of Golden Gate Park, which is just to this day, like, like one of my favorite neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it never felt, big to me it was weird but i wasn't i feel like if you wanted to get into some weird shit you could get into it for whatever reason i never was into it sure um and so yeah um i think i knew enough to know that it was crazy i do remember being like going through a run in the park and be like all right california girls and like, dude, Hate Ashbury is not the neighborhood where you're gonna find like the. This is not like San Diego. No. This is not Manhattan Beach, man. Like, I remember know. calling my brother and they're like, not super impressed with the talent right now. Like, yeah, yeah, you gotta go a little further south um, for the stereotypical. It's a different neighborhood, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, but you stayed out there ever since. So, I mean, like, it just feels like home. That's home for you now. God, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I like, yeah, I've contemplated moving many times. Um, and now my wife and I live in Oakland. Um, okay. And was it? I'm trying to flash. I'm really trying to flex my like podcast knowledge here on you. Cause the thing is your friend, Andy, who lives in St. Paul. Is that right? Episode. like an early episode. Andy, like your high school friend that lives in St. Paul. Really oh, Charlie. St. Paul guy. Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie. Okay. Oakland, St. Paul, Minneapolis, San Francisco. Yes. Like, very similar. Where it's like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. We don't live in San Francisco. We don't live in the Bay area. We live in Oakland. Yep. Just like St. Paul's like, no, 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 no. 
Absolutely. That's on the West side. Absolutely. Um, but there's things I love about it, man. Um, and I think right now it's getting a raw deal and in a lot of press, there are definitely issues like no doubt, mm-hmm. no doubt, serious and sad stuff for sure. But, um, it is not representative of the broader San Francisco neighborhoods. It is not representative of broader Oakland neighborhoods. Yes. The tenderloin in San Francisco is crazy. It's yes. I, I've never seen it like that, dude. I would hang. I would. We would go down there all the time when we were younger. Mm-hmm. A lot of really good bars down there. Good music venues down there. I never once felt unsafe. Yeah. I feel like junkies are like professional, and they're like, "I'm not bothering you. You don't bother." Right. So this that's weird, but it is not. I just, <laughs> every time I go home, tell people where I live, and they go, "It's like I can give you. I can count it down." 10, 9, and they're going to ask, so is it as bad as it? And it's, sure. it's not. Um, and there's a lot of really awesome, lovely people out here. And yeah. my wife's from out here. And so, you know, that's the other thing. It's like be close to some family is really important. And mm-hmm. so, but we, we talk about it all the time. I spent, we spent the summer in Minnesota this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I really go back and forth about it because a lot of time away from family and it's a yeah. big chunk of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, now you got a daughter. Well, so how long have you been married? How long were you married before you had your daughter? All that stuff. Give me yeah. those details. Yep. I got married late. <laughs> I got married, uh, late thirties. Uh, we've been married four years. Natalie and I, um, met at a Christmas party. That's kind of cool. Um, nice. And then Charlie's two and a half. So, I mean, we, yeah, we didn't, we had our like post wedding, like, this is great. We're married and we don't have kids and this is fun. Sure. And then we're like, Hey, let's, let's get it. Let's, let's get going here. Yeah. And it's been fantastic. And we're eager to have more and also totally underestimated like the challenges of it. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Cost uh, of it, yeah, dude. <laughs> um, so I mean, you got married. You had a you you spent you had a little honeymoon phase. No kids. Then you yeah. you guys get pregnant. What's going through your head as you know you you know you're about to be a dad? Like excitement, nervousness, or kind of flippancy around it, just because you're. I don't know. Like for me, like I knew we were pregnant, but it never really felt like a thing until late in the pregnancy. Totally the same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not pregnant. I'm not throwing up. <laughs> right. Like it sounds terrible, but it's tr- It was not real. And I'll take it even a step further. I don't like, I think people have said this, but like, I don't feel like, I've only really started connecting with Charlie like Mm -hmm. later, like when they're babies and they're infants and this is about survival, right? Like it's not, there's, this is about feeding, changing, sleeping, rinse and repeating. Yeah. And now we're like getting the fun stuff. I think where it's like, you know, she just says the weirdest things. You're like, where did that come from? Like what, 
<laughs> um, like, um, um, she like does not use contractions. She like, which is so funny. Like, Hey, uh, do you want to, do you want to throw the ball around? Dad, I do not want to throw the ball around. Like, <laughs> you know, or like, uh, or oh, like, yeah. um, just, just crazy stuff around. Like, this is my kid. Like, not, like, I don't know. I don't For know sure. how to. No, to describe I, that. You know, I get what you're saying. It was saying, not man. when she was pregnant. It was not when she was a baby. Mm-hmm. But boy, now I'm screwed, dude. She's got me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know. Again, I was. It wasn't. I hesitate. I hesitate to say the word flippancy, right? Or just flippant towards it. Um, but I wasn't pregnant. I knew my wife was going through it. I was, you know, trying to be supportive and all that stuff. But then you know, when we're giving birth and Jack comes out and I'm just like, holy shit, like this got real, um, in that moment, it's very overwhelming and life changing and all that stuff. But then I, it doesn't sound bad, Phil, because I was in the same way that first year and a half, two years, it's just survival for them and you, right? Because your whole world just got flipped upside down and maybe it's a year and a half. I don't know. I lost track of time where, they're not in you just you, you it's tough to bond um and when you're the dad it's especially tough right because you're you can't feed them um well i shouldn't say that uh not in today's day and age you sure can um but you know like you're not the food source for the most part right and so like my wife breastfed and so it was like she was getting all of that and all of that time and being able to bond with them. And so like, until he started to be able to walk and like kick a ball towards me or, you know, speak and like be where you could engage with them. That's when it's like, okay, now this is fatherhood. The The past was, you know, don't die hood, <laughs> you know, for the most yes. part. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, now it's, you know, a minor to this age now where dude, like we're in this like sweet spot where they still like us a lot and they, they have a ton of independence as well where we don't really have to do much for them anymore. Um, other than give them food, you know, they get dressed, they shower, they brush their own teeth, they can read. And it's just kind of like, Hey, you need to go do this. You need to go do that. And they do it, but then they still want to hang out and watch a movie or go to a game or play catch or shoot hoops or whatever. And it's, it's like the perfect space. Um, it's going to end, I know, in a short period of time, especially for Jack. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, dude, like that, that where you're entering and for about the next eight years, maybe ten, um, is really like where it's at from my experience. Mm-hmm. No, I loved, I loved hearing you and Jen talk about jocelyn on her birthday and just like this mm-hmm. idea like let's just do a little check in here like yeah what do you think what's going on? you know and it was like as like someone with a daughter i'm like oh man i can't wait to like and it start like you're saying it's starting to happen right like i'll say i'll call natalie and be like you will not believe like what like sh- what made her laugh today or like mm-hmm. you know we yeah, she like used shit properly, like in, in a so sentence. Cool. Like we gotta, like we gotta, we have to dial us back. <laughs> 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 you know, but like also, I'm like, let's. 
I think it's kind of smart that she like picked up and I was like, this is actually how you use it. Yeah. Kind of proud. Not can't, a lot. Like, can't be mad. You know? A hundred percent, man. So fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. That's why I, like, I want to do this. Right. And if we were to like dive in like that, that article, short story, I don't know what you want to call it that you sent me. Right. Like there's so much of that that resonated with me and like why I do this now. Um, Cause so much of like our relationships, even the close ones, like they, it's so easy for them to just kind of like fall off and or forget all those fun stories, right. Forgetting, you know, you can easily forget about the Augie Olympics and, you know, the bus rides and the hotel stays and, and, and those things. And it's the, it's the same goes with your kids when you're with them every day. Right. And so it's, if I can, if we can do these little like touch bases, um, to just kind of have this for a while that we can go back and reflect on and then they can listen to one day. Like I'm all for like, what, what made you kind of like write that? Like, what was your genesis for that? Uh, about four years ago, I felt like as a family, we were just kind of drifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, no, no fucking way, man. No. And we all like, it's, we all get along. Like mm-hmm. I never had a physical altercation with my brothers ever. Never. We never had a fight. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, man, we are spread out and time is passing here and mom and dad are getting older. And, um, I just, it would be such a disservice to them if we became one of those families that just kind of split up. Mm -hmm. Like I just, and so Four years ago, I was like, I'm writing a letter to the family. Like, basically a pep talk. Like, we need to get our shit together. And I wrote it and never sent it. Um, because you're like, well, I don't know. Part of me is like a fear is like someone saying, well, then move home. Like, you wanted to do this so bad. Why don't you get your ass back here then? Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's obviously oversimplifying things crazy but um and then i just started writing so what i sent you today is or the other day is like an essay of what would be like the first chapter like a sport like a memoir so i've written like Mm -hmm. eight of these essays that are kind of about each of my family members and and uh and so that's kind of i just i can't let our childhood become like fish stories, you know, like, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want, I don't want to just sit around and be like, Ooh, remember the good old days. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want it to just be that. I want us to grow together. Yeah. And I think by capturing these moments and these stories, I give us like a more, it's in that story, but like a more like precise version, like, no, we got to get together. Like, yeah. Phone calls are cool, but like, we got to get together, man. Like you are doing on this podcast. Like say it, the thing, part of what's driving you to do this is saying it's driving me like, nope, this is not going down like this. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And like, so 
yeah, I guess that that's, that's I mean, that. I, that's I definitely thing. read it as a kind of like a call to action. Yep. Right. Uh, and I would be, I don't know anyone in your family <laughs> uh, other than you, right? I would be hard pressed to imagine that people related to you would read that as, you know, we'll get home. Right. And like, that would be their reaction. It would be like, you know, yeah. Cause, cause it's, it's really well written. Um, and like there were, there were moments that like caused me to kind of like choke up a little bit, just thinking about my own family and, um, just how easy it is to drift, uh, into your own life. And, you know, like that, as you mentioned, like part of doing this, like there has to be intentionality behind like the things that are important to you and it, it's keeping up with your friends, keeping up with your family, um, connecting with your wife, right? Super important as you guys are entering this stage. And, you know, if you let it, cause it's super easy to let those things slip that the things that defined you for so, so fucking long, you know? Um, and you know, you're, how you were defined, right? Like I, I, I loved how you, like you put all that, like it, that was your, your role. And like, you were, you loved it. And you, you, you could feel that like coming off the page and like, you didn't want to lose that. And like that I read it as, I'm not saying it, it's everybody else's fault or anything. It's just like, we all gotta, you know, come on guys. Like, let's all make this effort together because you have a large family. It can't just be you. You know what I mean? Um, you can you can sure put in the effort, but it's going to take some others to like buy in. And so like that's how I read it. And I, I dude, it was really well done. Uh, if you Thank haven't, you. I would encourage you to send that man. Like that's that's some powerful shit, dude. Like it really was. Thank you. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I I don't. Um, yeah. So it's it's um. So when we started, when you reached out, I don't know if I had told you this, when you reached out, like, hey, you want to get a podcast? I'm like, yeah, it sounds cool. Mm. So in between that time and now, my mom died. Oh, no. I am so sorry to hear that, Phil. No. I, and uh, And so this idea, so I've been working on this thing for fucking ever. And uh, obviously, like, that is a theme on this podcast, and, mm-hmm. you know, or something that comes up. And and uh, so all this shit that's written and, like, inspired by her mm-hmm. before that happened. And, like, we went home to Minnesota because my dad has Alzheimer's. And that's why we went home. Because mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, like, this is, right now is the time to spend with him. Mm-hmm. And for Charlie to have experiences with him and, you know, not knowing, yeah, you know, you know, phone call in August, mom did not wake up, like just, and so now it's like, Hey, now I'm, I'm realizing how much she did to keep us together. Mm-hmm. And we have like, we just, we, I know it's not my responsibility only, right? I understand that. 
but it's like, I don't give a shit whose responsibility it is. We are do- like, we're doing it. Yeah. And if that means this is how I can do this, it's like my sister Libby and Tony and Matt who are in Minnesota, mm-hmm. like they're putting in some serious time when my parent, like before my mom died and now they're over there with my dad, like, dude, we just entered a different phase really fucking fast, yeah. like really fast. Um, and so like, yeah, it's, she had read some of the stuff, but like this kind of, kind of spilled out of me after like in the last month. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I don't like, was it, I'm assuming based on what you've said, like that was unexpected. She had, uh, so when I was four, she got esophageal cancer. Mm-hmm. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, esophageal. And like, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Please correct me. Uh, and they just like back then they would just like be like radiation. Like yeah. it was not like spot radiation. You know, it was just like, just hit it, like all of it. And so, uh, and it worked. Mm-hmm. And, but what had happened in the preceding years, especially like the last 10 years, all of those muscles went into atrophy, started going to atrophy. And so then, you know, her, she's a tiny little lady and her, you know, her head started hanging. She'd get neck problems, back problems. And that, um, the epiglottis stopped working, the little flap, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the back of your throat. And then so she'd eat food. It'd go down her throat, right? she'd aspirate. So all, I'm telling you all this, like, she had medical issues for sure. 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 Not, no one thought, like, she's going to pass. Like, she went to sleep did not wake up. Um, yeah. So it was definitely a shock, but you're also like, I don't even feel bad. I kind of feel bad saying this, but you're like, when you look back, you're kind of like, it's not like a terrible, sh- I, I don't know. Like maybe it was, maybe we are shocked because she was so freaking tough. Mm-hmm. They're like, wait, what? No, she doesn't. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, um, so a lot of this now, like what started is like, let's go family. Mm-hmm. Cause now shift to like, now see, Hey, for real, like we have, a, we have a major responsibility right now. Yeah. It, it sucks. I mean, obviously like I know you were, you were trying to, um, you know, kind of put this out right into your family like prior to but it, it does kind of suck that like unfortunately like it's shit like that um or like life-changing experiences personally right even um that make people recognize like the shit that really is like matters that that it's important um but it yeah we just we all are so easily we we can so easily fall victim to like our own narrative of life in that, uh, you know, you talked about like, Oh yeah, I was always going to be this rock star or whatever. Right. Like we all are the star of our own movie. 
right? Like that's kind of the way I've always like related. And you get wrapped up in your story versus recognizing like it's one story, like for all of us. And if, I I don't know, I shouldn't say that. If you want to have your own story, like do it. I I feel like it's going to be a, um, not a very fun one and not a very meaningful one. It's, I find more meaning and draw more meaning from those relationships with the people that I love and that, that I want to spend time with and, and get to know better and all of those things. Right. And so like, I want to try to be intentional and like keeping those going so that they don't fall by the wayside and you don't lose those connections to people that mattered to you in your life at one point, you know? Uh, and it sucks that it takes something like this to kind of like shock people into that shit. Um, Man, that sucks, dude. It makes me really mad. It makes me really mad that, yes, like yeah. you're saying, like, like what you didn't know time was the only currency before this. Like, what, like I know, right? Come on, come on. Yeah, don't be so thick, man. Like, um, it's so natural, though, Phil. That's what's like because I was I'm I went through the same I had the same kind of like thought process when my dad passed away it was. God, I, I've been back up here for 13 years. I could have gone down there so many more times and hung out with him and had more memories with him and all of that shit. Um, but at the same time, like, I I love him so much for him essentially saying, no, man, like, go live your life. You know, like, he was never begging for it. You know what I mean? Like, he took it whenever he could. And, and my mom does the same, like takes any time that we're willing to give them. Um, but at the same time, like wants us to go live our life, you know? And that's where you, you, you have to kind of like say, yeah, I want to make sure that I'm. And so now like I take from it. All right. These are lessons I've learned from my experience. How can I make sure my kids don't do that, right? Because uh, they would look back one day with potential regret if I pass away too early, right? That they didn't spend time with me or they wish they had more. So how do I want, how do I get them to want to spend more time with me, right? And and I, that's, I think, personally for me, it's, you know, trying to find these moments that we can, in the crazy world that we live in, um, where it's like our time as a family and hopefully they remember that shit all the time. Right. Um, whether it's going on little trips, having a family game night, you know, playing cards when it's raining, like just doing the shit that like you bond around and hopefully they want that in their life forever. And if they don't, you know, like as a parent, it, there's a little bit of, it's sad, but they gotta go, they gotta go figure it out on their own too. You know? I don't know. It's a weird, I'm, I'm torn in that respect, right? Like I don't want to force them to be with me, but I want them to want to be with me. Of course. And they, like my parents, like were so good about that in every way. Like, yeah. Like they've never, ever like that. When I drove home from August and I'd be like, uh, they're, and they're, they were just asking like, what is your plan? They weren't like, you can't do this. Are you, they yeah. never told me I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. They just wanted no plan. And I moved out to San Francisco. Dude, I got a, 
a master's in creative writing. What the fuck is that worth? Let's just be real. Come on. Like, <laughs> right. Did they ever say, dude, if you want to be a writer, maybe you should, I don't know, write and just like keep writing, you know? Mm-hmm. No, they never told me what to do. I, you know, I had this like long stretch where I just did not have any like serious, like, like prospects as like girlfriends. They were never like, Hey, time's ticking. Like never, ever, ever made me feel shitty about where I was in life or what I was doing or that I was like, it was trust and love, trust and love, trust and love. And now as a parent, like, boy, I appreciated it then that's hard. That's really hard to do because you know that they were sitting up in bed several times. And like, I don't know what he's doing. I do not know what his plan is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's natural. Right. Um, I find myself doing it. It's like one of the things that, uh, you know, my dad was a sports dad and he was a coach and I resented basketball because of it. Right. Because he was so hard with it. And I try really hard not to be like that with Jackson, but at the same, like, I don't try, I don't want to push him, but I want to instill in him the tools to find success if he chooses to find it. Right. And it's a really delicate balance of dads telling me I need to go practice versus encouraging him to practice. Right. And then letting him find his own path. Cause I do want him to, and I don't, you know, if he plays baseball or football or whatever, that's great. Um, yeah. but at the same time, I'm pretty realistic. I don't think that's what he's going to do for a living. So if he wants to get into Pokemon or, you know, I don't know, just pick anything. Like I'm all for it. I've, I've bought him a guitar, like figure that out, dude. Like find your thing, go for it, man. Um, and at the same time, like understanding he's nine, it's going to take a while to figure out. And you're absolutely right. I guarantee your parents are when's Bill going to figure it out? <laughs> Time's a tick in here. Uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. I know. Dude, oh, God. Uh, yeah. I also agree. It's, and I feel like this is also something that's like a running theme on this podcast. It's like, you have all these people that are very into sports or a particular sport, played sports at a high level. Yeah. Very few of them, very few of them are like, I need them. I want them to do this thing. They like, this is, I think everyone's kind of figured out like, which is really cool. This is a a, a compliment to your friends. I want them to find something they're passionate about. And then I will tell them, if you want to be good at this thing, you will have to work at it. That's Mm -hmm. the, that's the way it works. Yeah. I'm not telling you what to be passionate about, but we're going to find something. Mm -hmm. And then if you really want to be good at it, we got to practice. Yeah. Cause I think like, do you ever like, I always feel like that's a hard part, whether it's like an instrument or a sport, like we need to get to a level of proficiency where you can enjoy the finer things in this thing. Right. Like mm-hmm. guitar is not fun. If you can only play one car, like one chord, that's going to suck. Like mm-hmm. baseball is not fun. If you don't know how to feel the ground ball, of course you're going to hate it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so like that challenge of how do we, push them to a level of proficiency where they can figure out if they like it or not. Sure. Yeah. That 
that that's huge that <laughs> that's something i haven't thought of uh with respect to trying everything out you know um because yeah you could say i'm gonna take up the fucking drums at 30 but if you can never figure out a double bass kick you're never going to be in a band right and you're not going to have fun doing it or and, and you it it's it it's with it and everything. So what I try to do, like when I talk to my kid and I obviously relate so much of it to sports cause that's what I, I know of. And I just say like, look, man, like sports are a microcosm of life. You want to be really good at something. You got to put in the work and the work sucks. Sometimes you're going to have your good days, your bad days, chalk them up, move on, but just know that you're getting those reps in. And it's the same with doing a podcast writing a story, um, building a proposal for a sales deck, like you name it, the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it and the more fun you're going to have. No one wants to be the entry-level sales rep who's calling somebody up and getting hung up on 20 times, but the only way to get better at it is to call some, you know, call 20 times a day and get hung up on and then eventually like, you get one person who's willing to talk to you. You test some shit out. So on and so forth. And then you kind of figure it out. And it just, it takes work, man. All of it does. And that's what I try to tell my kids. Uh, you don't have to work at sports. I don't fucking care. But you got to work at something. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, and I, I stole this from Hunt, Brian, um, for the summer. It's like we told him. Like we made him do some things every day during the summer to like try and have a structure to their life <laughs> instead of just playing outside all day. Um, and one of those, you know, help around the house, clean your room, you know, read, whatever. But then one thing was like practice something for 30 minutes. And I told him, I don't care what it is. You want if it's the piccolo, go nuts. I'm not home. My mom, my wife is, so <laughs> she has to deal with that, you know, but practice something shuffling cards. You want to be a deal, I, something, just practice something. And so again, it's just about instilling that work ethic. That's what I try to do is just instill that work ethic in them so that whatever they do figure out, they will put in that effort someday and, and go chase it. Yeah. I I think that's the, one of the biggest lessons I've learned so far in my life. It is persistence. That is that's what separates people. Yeah, it's not talent. It's not brains. No, it's fucking showing up every day and doing it again and again and again, mm-hmm. and not being satisfied with it being okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. It. absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. How are you doing, like, with your – sorry to go back to this, but how are you doing with no, your mom passing away, man? Like, you okay? As as okay uh, as you can be? Uh, yes. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm really worried I'm going to come off, like, as a serious nerd on your podcast. Um, <laughs> one of your friends, one of your – was a woman, like, a big Disney lady. Starts mm-hmm. with an A. Anna. 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 Okay. She was talking about her dad, and they were in the hospital playing cards. 
Mm-hmm. Like when in the in that staff being like, we have not seen that. like, you know, I that kind of resonated with me because going getting that awful call and like being in like like being in Minnesota. 12 hours, you know, you just get on a plane, you go. Yeah. And uh, being there for a week with my siblings, like, was also, like, extremely loving. Mm-hmm. Like, and that throughout this whole prop, like, there was a big gap between when she died and, like, my mom loved the, um, the, dude that did the music at our church for a long time and at all of our weddings she would go up to him and say dan you're playing my funeral well like dan's like 70 now and mm-hmm. doesn't really do that anymore and they're like hey man like I, I gotta flex here like you got we need you to do this yeah please. and he was so cool about it he did it mm-hmm. but he only could do it like two weeks later and like we had this big like family discussion in my parents like they just moved out of their house to like a 55 plus so we're not in our house that we all lived in for 50 years it just feels so weird like yeah lovely place but like not home sure and you know, like i'm i'm like no we gotta do this shit like no that's you know i know if we're gonna do it and only my oldest brother's like no i think this is really the, actually the only thing a mom would care about mm-hmm. so we we kind of threaded the needle and made it work, whatever. And, yeah. Um, just like being together and like, we figured we got it right, you know, and mm. we wrote that obituary together and we shared awesome memories and we're having so much fun. We're out at pizza, having a beer and I look over to like give my mom's reaction, right? Like it's that instinct mm-hmm. is still so there yeah you know uh that reacting where it's like uh i was just this morning and i wanted to ask like something came up with trial like i gotta ask my mom you know that mm. that little thing happens yeah um but yeah i'm like she was like uh this sounds she's like one of the loves of my life man like she yeah. was like extremely i was extremely close to her mm-hmm. i knew how she felt about me she knew how i felt about her and that's great and honestly dude like she had got such a shitty hand health wise yeah that i know that in retrospect i'll look back and like she didn't if there's one person that didn't not that anyone deserved it but like didn't deserve to suffer like just it's her like sure. it's always an issue out like at our wedding she was like so thin but she wasn't eating because she couldn't eat yeah and i just remember feeling like you know mentally she's a little loose right now it's because she's malnourished dude like she was not like and she got a feeding tube in and was like so much sharper um i don't know i'm meandering all out because this is like a month old like you know um but um I miss her terribly. Yeah. And, but I don't like, I really want to talk about her like all the time. Like, so yeah, do it. 
right? Like that would be my advice yeah. is do it, right? Um, yeah. And I, we won't, I won't go back and like hit on this at all or anything, right? I would just like, if you need to talk, uh, you know, you have five siblings, obviously, like yep. reach out, call them. Uh, I'm available, right? Um, it's a, it's a shitty deal to go through, no doubt about it. And, you know, you're going to get hit with the weirdest things at the weirdest times that you're just not prepared for. <laughs> um, and yeah, sometimes you just need to call somebody. So, yep. uh, you know, you have my number, so feel free to, um, but yeah. And do talk about, them. uh, that's the, that's the way you, they stay present, you know? Um, and that's where I'm at now is trying to tell stories with my, you know, sitting around with my buddies and talking about my dad as a coach or you name it, right? Like him, you know, in the stands at a football game and his pink spam hat, you know, like we've all got these memories of him. And so it's just trying to have those conversations more and more and like keep him alive in my memory and remember all those things. Cause that's the good stuff. Cause the last couple of years sucked for my dad as well. Right. So you want to remember the fun times and yeah, dude, like, yeah. Hell I yeah, have man. to, I have to tell you and whoever's listening though, this is funny and incredible story. I know we're running long. I'll, I'll stop on it, but like, fine. So we're at, we're at the wake and my mom was cremated and it was one of the cool things is like, you know, she's a teacher and like, big family and you're at this wake and you're like, dude, I don't know. Like half of these people, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. I, I have no idea. Right. And yeah, talking, but Hey, they're there to pay their respects. You say, hi, I'm Phil mm-hmm. as her young son. Who are you? I kind of love that. The no bullshit, like conversation starters at wakes. Like, mm-hmm. which one are you is what I would get. I'm the youngest, right? Like, yeah. And I would say, who are you? Like, let's, I, yeah. and so I'm talking to uh, a girl, a, a woman now who was a student of my mom's. And she's like, yeah, uh, I actually, I became a teacher. Because your mom, I'm like, oh, it's so cool, man. It's so great. And having this really heartwarming moment, I just kind of look to my right. I don't, I don't know why. Dude, Coach Holmes standing there. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And I like did a pretty good job keeping it together. Not, it's not good or bad, whatever. I just kept it together. It doesn't matter. People cry. It's fine. Uh, I just fucking lost it, dude. Yeah. He was just standing there. Go over there, give him a big hug. And, uh, I'm just like, I can't believe you're here. You know, like you almost feel like a kid. Right. You're like, I can't believe you're here. Yeah. I can't believe you're here. You know? And, uh, he's like, of course, of course. And I look down on his shirt, South Dakota state Jack grabs. I mean, I was like, are you kidding me, dude? Show a little respect. <laughs> That's funny. The best part is he goes, Hey, you won't believe this, but I came up to this wake last week. He drove from Brookings to St. Paul. Oh. A week early. Wow. He's like, hey, what the, what's that going on? 
he looks I uh, Russell's not a big retard. Looks up Jim Monica Lang. He goes to three fifteen Transit Avenue. They just moved. Knocks on the door. Hey, this uh, kid Monica live here. So people are like, what? Oh no. no. <laughs> and he, he he drove back to Brookings. <laughs> wow. Wow. He came back. Dude, Homer was such a good human. Such a good human. I keep in touch with him regularly. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. He, he was there and Ryan Nett was there. That's yeah. huge. Love that, dude. Yep. I love that. Yeah. Um yeah. you got anything else you want to talk about? I got a couple of things I All have right. to get off my chest. Yes. I'm just gonna do some drive bys here. Perfect. Uh Trevor referencing uh trampolines as a part of his upbringing was really funny and weird. Like he was like, Yeah, that's small <laughs> town, we had trampolines. <laughs> <laughs> And I do remember him playing with Kansas State, not TCU, because you guys are in that room mm-hmm. constantly. Um, and uh, I just want to say, Ross Holly, come back to the good side of six feet tall. Are you kidding me, dude? Who? It's <laughs> a joke. It's a joke, dude. Come on. Come on. Come on back with us, shorty, buddy. It's okay. You threw 96. Yeah. You nothing to be ashamed of. Hell no. Dude, I can't believe you put Ryan's A2000 in a fire. Completely uh, crossed the line. Yeah, not one of my brighter moments. That's for sure. I remember the rent at the Moon Tower being one ninety one fifty. I believe that was my cut. Does that ring a bell? Does that feel right? Yeah. Dirt cheap, which was apropos uh, of the lodging. <laughs> I think I'd pay five grand to go back in time to see your dad go at Reed. That story is incredible. It was awesome. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, that was one of my favorite memories of my life. Just so awesome. Six, I can six. see, cause I can see exactly where you guys were when you're talking. I'm like, I know, I know the blocking of this entire scene. I know exactly yeah, yes. where you guys are and where that little turd was. <laughs> I knew it. Perfect. Yep. He just he took two uh, two steps from that center room and he oh was over God. that just <laughs> over his head. Hey, dude! Awesome. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. Uh, dude, also, like Mitch talking about having no mentor guide. I'm like, that's crazy because I always thought he was so like grounded. Like I thought of him as like a mentor. You know, like, hey, just mm. do what he's doing. So that's crazy to me to hear, and so cool and ballsy of them to like move to. Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally agree with him, but you've been a good shepherd. You, I have to say, Jeff, you really remind me of my brother, Matt. Uh, and that's a humongous compliment. Thank you. Um, Mitch went 51 and nine and got a vote of no, con- I'm good. sorry. People of rapid city. Give me a break, dude. Yeah. 51 and nine, no confidence. And I just want to point out that the 2023 team went, had 24 or 25 losses. I'm just going to throw that out there. Look it up. <laughs> so good on you. Uh, Jeff, the heightism on this podcast is completely out of control. Okay. Your fourth podcast with your brother, you discredit the medical projections of, of doctors and babies. That's very easy for a tall person to do. Okay. But let me tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> the short people here whose daughter's running in the 90, high 90s in percentile of height. Matt, let's just can I have this for a second, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, poo poo on my dreams. That's my bad. That's my bad. <laughs> and then you know, 
Hunt being a self-hating short guy. Come on, man. <laughs> Dude. Uh, you talking to your brother, Justin, about your mom's absolute, like, annoyance? Like, you guys getting so annoyed at her refusing to sit down? I can <laughs> Dude. <laughs> It's the closest I ever got to a real fight with my mom. Please sit the hell down. Yeah. Oh yeah, just care, caretakers at heart, right? Can we play cribbage? Can we please just play cribbage? Mm-hmm. Just stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the last thing I Jen's podcast when you're talking to your wife about on Justin's birthday, and she asked you, or you asked her, sorry, you asked her if she's learned anything about you and stuff, and I just. Maybe she knew this, probably did. But, like, dude, your friends love you and respect you so much. If she didn't know that already, I hope she knows it now. Because it is it is so obvious in every one of these conversations, dude, mm-hmm. that people care about you so much. It's And, and because you're doing this, it's awesome. It's so great. I appreciate that, Bill. I mean, it, it's, it, it's likewise, right? Like, I, you know, you can't choose your family. Right. And obviously you love them, but you can choose the people that are in your circle, right? That you keep in your life. Um, and going through everything I've been through, you know, kind of the last 10 years, it's made me realize like, you know, I've got a circle, but I've had a, I've had a circle like my entire life. And I want to make sure like those people that are around it at some point, like I, I stay in touch with because that's like, that's what it, feeds me right and it fuels me and the love goes back both ways right like i i would do anything for my brothers like at any point in my in their life right so you know um yeah dude it's it's a two-way street for sure uh for sure like i yeah i love all i love all of you guys that uh you know have played a part in my life and like I didn't bring this up and I meant to like one of my favorite memories at Augie. Um, and I don't know if you remember it was playing wiffle ball, uh, with you outside the moon towers that summer. Like I was like, what are you doing? Nothing. You want to go play wiffle ball? And we would just go out there for like two hours throwing, (laughs) throwing heat and curveballs and breaking pitches, trying to hit it off that, the smart kids dorm. Like it was so fun. I love how we don't even know what the, I don't know the name of the dorm. It is just the smart kids That's dorm. Where the smart perfect, kids, dude. yes. <laughs> such a great summer. Yeah, I that was, yeah, good times, dude, had, for sure. I had nothing Very to do. Times. It was so much fun. Oh god, I kill for. I'd kill to go back there uh, for just like a week and just hang out again at some point. We went to when they were making their run for the World Series. I met up with. Like Netter and Al Schaefer and Wiesner and yeah. Iverson, screw them. And uh, you know, we enjoyed ourselves that night, and we ended up in Centerfield, like with some beers. Nice, it's a great time. That's awesome. I was like, Dude, there's a there's a party going on over at the condo, like those condos over there. Mm-hmm. Where like we had a crew that lived over there for a couple of years, and I'm like, let's go. <laughs> bad idea dude <laughs> yeah no you can't you know walked can't. in the back door I'm like, just again very much a lightweight 
Dude, everyone just stopped and like, what's going on, <laughs> old man? I mean, I believe it was Troy Wonderlick walked through the back door and walked out the front door and said, yeah, nope, let's go. <laughs> Bad idea. Abort. Abort. Super stupid. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, but, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, brother. Yeah. Well, I will. Uh, Thank you so much. Oh, dude. Thank you. Like, this is awesome. And uh, I look forward to doing this again uh, in the future. I, I mean, thanks for sharing it with Nat. Right. Like, he reached out. Um, I'm going to have him on, chop it up with him, hear what he's up to these days. That's like probably. He lies. Of- he's a liar. Whatever he says, it's a lie. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Whatever he says about me is a lie. Good to know. Just Good know to know. That right now. Good to know. But no, it's been one of the cooler parts of doing this is like just being able to reconnect with everybody, man. Like, um, cause you just go your separate ways and it's so easy to, I mean, shit, we, we spent an hour talking about it, right? Like how easy it is to get wrapped up in your own shit. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time, man. It means an absolute ton. It really does. Um, love you, man. Hope you, uh, hope you're doing well. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. If you have, if you ever need to talk to, just give me a call. I'll pick I know it up. you do. All right. Thank you, Jeff. All, All right. right. Have a good night. Yeah, you too, brother. Be good. Take care. See ya. Thank you all so much for checking out the pod. It means an absolute ton to me that any of you listen to this. Truly appreciate it. Appreciate all the feedback. Appreciate the text messages. Reaching out however you can. It means it means a ton to me that uh, you listen and that you get anything out of this. I truly hope everybody has a fantastic week moving forward here go out there get after it we'll catch y'all next week be good